Podcast 098, Boom Squish. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. I think it's just anything goes. So anything goes, right? I, I don't know. Make it up as you go. So I. So this is. You know. In fact, this is a good a good time to point out because it's on now. I turned it on. Uh-huh. See the flashing red oh, light. You didn't tell us that it was on. <laughs> I started. Oh, you always start. That's usually how I start. No idea. You started. So um, I I think that the, the the key is is that there's not a quality thing. So we haven't scripted anything. We were just talking. And then the thing is, is like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we should record this. Maybe we should make a – and it's like I, I – so, A, um, I don't like it when anybody says, you need to do this to make your podcast better, because then I'm powerfully compelled to make it worse. <laughs> because it's like I don't want – I didn't – because at the beginning, I thought I should do a good job, and people told me, no, if you just turn it on and you just talk about whatever pops into your head, that's fine. And so with that quality requirement, I am okay with making podcasts. But if, it's, if there's any expectation higher than that, I don't even want to make them. And so I like the idea that they can be extra crappy. <laughs> as long as you can hear what people are saying, that's that's my only requirement. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit that if somebody's saying something awesome but you can't decipher yeah. what it is, mm-hmm. then then okay, that that doesn't a, do much good. That's a bummer. That's a drag. Uh, fortunately, I don't have to ever listen to them. <laughs> I, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, all right. So this is uh, Paul Wheaton with uh, Krista and Caleb. So hello, <laughs> hello. And and we started talking about uh, rocket mass heaters. It's like, well, why would you heat your house, or why would why would you have a rocket mass heater and not get hot water out of it? And and uh, I believe Ernie Wisner's response would be, boom boom, <laughs> big boom 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 splatter, <laughs> and the yeah. splatter would be you, <laughs> the boom splatter. Uh, I mean, it's got to be possible at on some level if you take the idea of a wood-fired hot tub, right? I mean, that's not completely destructive. It's boom boom. It's it's closed loop pressurized systems that's when you get the boom boom if there's nowhere for it to go you can say you know that it's not possible all day long but that's what i work with you know all the time but it has this cool stamp on it on the side that the government says that oh this is safe well if you screw those up and you don't you close off all your pressure reliefs and you do dumb things with that you can blow that up too and obviously it can be a really big boom but there's there's ways to get around it it's it's done and there's ways to do it intelligently just you're not going to just take a big you know hot water heater and close it all off oh i don't well the pressure relief keeps blowing let's uh take that off and bolt it you know or something closed yeah then then you got a big dangerous thing so uh very good point in everybody's house they've got the recipe for boom boom yeah. and and it has to do with exactly that all you got to do is bypass the pressure relief relief valve and and a lot of people do they look at it and it's like look there's a big faucet sticking out of the side of um my water tank and look it's got a threaded thing on it and look at the hardware store they sell me a cap for that threaded thing and i can cap it 
And once in a while, I've actually seen water come out of that, and that's not right, is it? <laughs> we should probably explain what a pressure relief valve on a water heater, a boiler-type system is. Basically, it's, it's a valve that's spring-loaded, that is, it's designed like a typical water heater. If the water inside of the tank gets above 200 degree, 210 degrees, that will actually trigger it, so it will actually let some of the water out. Now, is it the temperature or the pressure? It's the pressure, isn't it? There's, there's both types. They're, they're called the T and P valve, basically. Okay. If that's doing temperature and pressure, or like on a closed-loop boiler system, like a, a gas-heated condensing boiler or something, that one is just running off of temperature. Or not, excuse me, not temperature, but pressure. So the key is, is that when it gets to a certain temperature or it gets to a certain pressure, yep. then the valve goes squirt all over your fine uh, heirloom stuff that you've stored next to the water heater <laughs> instead of blowing the house into a million scaly little pieces, including yes. the stuff you stored next to the water heater, and, and you all die squishy, squishy. And, and so this way, everybody gets to go on living, including your neighbors, because yep. the boom can be that big. That was a much better technical description. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Boom squish. Boom squish. <laughs> so, uh, I, okay, so then uh, you're asking about rocket mass heater. Why the hell not, right? Yeah, I mean, I, t in my mind, okay, we're, you're going to go and tackle your heating, right? That's obviously one of your biggest, biggest uses. But really, after heating, it's domestic hot water is your biggest energy use. It really is. I mean, lighting's way down there. Oh, we, don't, we don't get me started on Sorry, it. I didn't mean to start that. I, I almost said compact fluorescent, but then I stopped. Oh, thank you. There it is. Jeez. Jeez. The big greenwashing pisses me off to no end. Fucking light bulbs. They say it's going to save energy, but does it really? I don't think so. So we're not going to talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about let's talk about the domestic hot water though. Obviously, we know that the rocket mass heater can take take out a lot of the heating. You know, it it can. And of course, you know, water is one of those crazy things where it's like one of the most difficult things to change the temperature off. And so, with a rocket mass heater, you got a couple of challenges. One is is that usually when you're heating, you're not like burning all day. You just have a quick little fire, and then you just enjoy the heat that comes off of it for the next day or two. Now, sometimes if it's really, really cold and you want to be really, really warm, then, okay, you might burn a whole bunch. You might, you might have a three-hour, maybe even a four-hour long burn. But that's more the exception than the rule. So it's kind of like, but then it's like, you know, so what are you going to do? You're going to like say, okay, it's already plenty warm in the house, but now I want to take a shower so I'm going to heat up the water? Here's my answer to that, and it's the same one that we do with, with solar thermal heating systems or domestic water system. It's always about the volume. It's like sunshine. You may have good sunshine for one day, but what happens when it's gone for the next three days? So my, my answer to that is, okay, you're burning once, what did you say, a day maybe? 
Maybe every other day. Yeah, maybe you're having one fire every other day. So rather than having... And don't forget that during the summertime, you probably have zero fires for like months at a time. Right, but then we'll hit it with our compost, right? See, now th- that would be actually where I'd want the whole discussion to go to is to talk about Jean Payne's approaches to heating water. But at first I thought, you know, we'll finish up talking about boom squish. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess my, my view of that would be rather than having, uh, you know, a little 20-gallon or 30-gallon storage tank, why, why not store 100? or 120 gallons of water. Most of the typical solar hot water systems I'm doing are between 80 and I've also done up to 600 gallon storage tanks. So now maybe rather than burning your rocket mass heater for an hour every other day, maybe every other day you burn it for two or three hours, but you're getting your domestic hot water out of it, and it's not heating up the mass of the stove any more than it was before. You're actually taking some of that heat out and putting it in your domestic water. I just look at it as, you know, let's let's tackle the whole problem, not just one problem and then leave, well, we did this one, so let's forget about the other one. I mean, if you really want to go to a completely alternative method, Let's tackle that. And then for the wintertime, you're burning. If you're burning wood anyways, that's a great place to be doing it. Maybe your compost may or may not be getting that hot. Maybe you don't have room for a John Pan style, you know, 10 cubic meter compost pile. Well, okay, yeah, let's leave, let's leave Jean Payne out of this for a while. Let's finish up okay. with, I mean, I, I can see what you're saying. Like, you're going to have, I mean, you're going to consciously try to heat your water. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I think we've gotten used to the idea of consciously heating the house, like, oh, I feel a little cold, it's time to build a fire. You know, so we're we're used to that kind of thing because what anybody who ha- who heats their home with wood goes through that but at, um very few people go through the thing of like you know what I want I want to take a hot shower so I guess I better start getting that water heated up for my hot shower or I'm going to wash some dishes so I better start heating it up. I mean, <clears throat> granted, that was the way it was done, but we don't do that very often anymore, so a lot of people see that as a big inconvenience. But it is possible. And the key is, is the, the way to avoid the boom squish is going to be exactly what you said, have a non-pressurized system. And then a, a lot of the systems that I do are, are solar-heated domestic water, possibly, you know, or, or heating methods that there's always a backup. It's not hard to do a backup system, whether maybe you're heating up a good portion of this electric tank, you know, an electric tank. So that would probably be the lowest cost way to do it over a dual-coil pressurized tank. So maybe you're, you're heating with your rocket mass heater. Well, I don't want to start a fire today, you know. So you don't. Well, you don't necessarily have to be out of hot water. Maybe the water's preheated and then going into another tank where it's warmed up, or you have solar or something else. And then now we can get into this whole other discussion of Legionnaires' disease, which ah, there you go, which which probably is better for another podcast. No, I think I think actually I think now is a good time. Okay. So so we're talking about solar hot water, and we're also talking about heating water with wood. Um, and later we'll talk about John Payne's techniques and the compost, eating it with compost. But I, I think um, the Legionella bacteria issue is a big one. And, and it's like um, we had a guy from England post that at Permies like a year ago saying, I'm so glad you guys are talking about it here. And then here's all this other information. And it's like ni- more than 90% of the solar hot water installations in England are actually you know um, incubators for Legionella because they didn't exactly think about Legionella when they designed it. And I think that there are ways to design solar hot water systems so that they do take into account the Legionella stuff because, uh, you know, so this is, this is a great time and a great time to talk about why should we give a shit about Legionella. Um, 
I, I think I was reading it was like 85%, maybe even 90% of all uh, cases of pneumonia come from Legionella bacteria. So, so there's all these people dying of pneumonia all the time, and it's like um, I was I was uh, doing a community thing at some house, and the people, uh, this one gal who lives there, she's like, I get I get pneumonia every other month, and I said, well, what's the water tank set at? One ten, like the optimal breeding temperature for Legionella, and so I said, uh, oh, well, you know, this is what it's all about. Is we just turn that up, and their whole position in the household was, hell no. We're eco here. We're saving energy. We are not turning up the water heater. That's just crazy talk. And I've heard this over and over and over again when I try and tell people about the Legionella issue. And the thing is, is like, like my power bill here is freaky cheap. I mean, I I post my numbers on the site. Can anybody beat my numbers for having a very low power bill? And still be heating themselves. I mean, with an electric, so it's like I have power bills that are like um, eighteen dollars, twenty dollars, and and um, I turn my water heater up to forty. I mean, one forty, one hundred and forty, and so it's kind of like um, it's it's very hot. The thing is, it's insulated, and because it's so hot, I use less of it. And, and it works out. I mean, that's basically, it's like, how many gallons do you use that's heated to what temperature is such a big part of it. But and so I realized you don't want to really talk about Legionella right now, but I do think that it's yeah. important to convey. And, and here you're doing, this is your full-time day job, is going around installing solar panels and solar hot water and, and micro hydro, and, and this is what you do for a living. And, and I mean, like, I would imagine, I, I, I'd be willing, you haven't said anything to me, I bet that most of the solar hot water stuff that you install is Legionella incubators. Just and it's like people demand it to be that way, and they don't even want. I mean, if you were, I imagine if you were to bring up Legionella at work, you could get fired. I, I most certainly wouldn't be fired, but I can tell you how many times I've been asked a question about Legionella. How many times? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Of, of, you know, I, I couldn't even count how many systems that I've put in. But there's different ways to, to really to deal with it. And basically, I mean, I guess maybe we should mention what Legionella is because most people won't really know. It's basically it's a, it's a bacteria that can be present in certain in, in water systems. It's present in all water. Is it present in all water? All water. And, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. Chlorine doesn't kill it. So chlorinated water, it's in the chlorinated water also because it actually is a bacteria that moves into the amoebas. The amoebas can die from the chlorine in the water, but um, the, uh, the Legionella are fine. They're, they're living inside that corpse, and they're okay. They're ready to make more anytime. And um, so anyway, sorry. Turn no, it that's good. The chlorine one's new to me, actually. I, didn't, I did not know that. Which so, that explains a lot. A lot of times where you'll see these major outbreaks of it is, is hospitals and types of things like that. Okay, I want to I stop you there because I, I, I believe that you don't see the outbreak at the hospital. I believe that it's, it's at the hospitals just like it's at houses and everywhere else, too. But then it's like um, what happens is every time you take a shower, there's always some. 
Yeah. There's always some Legionella, especially if the, if the water heater is down low, um, uh, then there'll be even more. But but it's, it, there's always some. And then the thing is, is like how strong is your immune system? Yeah. It's like you're going to get bombarded with it all the time. But if your immune system is weak for some reason, like you're sick, like you're yep. in the hospital, yep. then you're more susceptible to it. Yeah. And so at a hospital, it's you know they, they really want to make sure to minimize it as much as possible. But it's not a matter of like, um, uh, oh, I, you know, one bacteria got through and I got it. And, and the way it's transmitted is also through showers. It's, it's water vapor. It, you have to breathe it in. It's not like if you drink it, you're fine. Your, yeah. your innards are going to fry that Legionella. No problem. It's actually inhaling it yeah. that, gets it, that gets you. So it's the, the water vapor, the steam inside the shower that's actually got the bacteria in it. Well, okay, Next. steam, here's an important thing, is that the, the stuff that looks like steam, it's, water vapor. it's actually right. water vapor. Right. If it was steam, I think it, it peels the skin off your face, which yeah. would be yeah. awkward. What people would call steam, though, which is water, water vapor in your shower room fogging up the... Yeah. Contrary to your beauty regiment, it, it, that where it peels the skin off of yeah. your face. So water vapor, good. Steam, not so much. Yeah. Steam is a primary component to boom squish. Yeah. Actually, if you're showering with steam, don't even worry about the Legionella. Yeah, the Legionella aren't there. You, you, you have got, other problems. You've yeah. gotten rid of it. You've eliminated That's yeah. one way to totally eliminate Legionella. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the big thing about the Legionella bacteria, it's it's... Breeding temperatures are really kind of based in this lukewarm or what some people might consider hot temperatures, which is 80 to 120. It doesn't start really dying, killing off large percentages of it until it hits 140 for sure. I think it's 131. 131. That it starts to actually, like it stops breeding and then they start dying. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to have it at 131 for like at least six hours or something like that. But once you start getting up to 140, they're dying much quicker. Yeah, at 140, it's like, you know, a half an hour to an hour and they're dead. Um, but I think I think their optimal breeding temperature, I'd have to go look it up to be sure, but I think it's like 110 or so. One, like 115 is still like in their like yee-haw state. And so the, the key is, is like if you had a, uh, a 40 gallon hot water tank and it's set at 115 or 110 and then you go on vacation and you're gone for like a week then then they've been just breeding up a storm in there. Um, I think that they can double their population in six hours. And so then you come back and it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> and then you're just breathing in tons of this stuff. And then the next day you got pneumonia. Well, how did I get pneumonia? You know, so... This is this is where it comes from, and and the funny thing is that in other countries like Canada, they they say you know you've got to have it this much much higher temperature to kill the Legionella. <clears throat> in the United States, they say, oh no, it's cool, it's fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, I've never seen any regulations on it in in the in the U.S. Anyways, certainly not in our in our local market. I I think the key is to set it to 140, and I've heard some people say, no, you can't set it to 140 because then I'll go turn on the hot water and I'll burn my little fingers. And so my response to that is, is like, oh, that's because every time you turn on the stove, you've got your hands rubbing all over it, and that's why you don't have hands anymore. <laughs> now I get it. With all the systems that we do by code, actually, they do have to have a mixing valve on the water tank. Because there's times where, you know, with the solar hot water, we're talking where there there is 
optimal breeding temperatures in certain times of the year where all you're going to make with solar is 110 degrees on parts of the tank. So obviously that's optimal. But there's also times of the year where we're going to make 180 where we'll shut it off at 180. And so at that point, you don't want 180 going through your pipes. The hot water heater can handle it. The, the fittings on the water heater can handle it. But then we're actually putting on a three-way mixing valve that will only let water out at whatever temperature you, can, you want to set it at. So that would be set at maybe 120, 130, 140, so, so wherever. 110. And I understand yeah. that the, uh, the mixing valves are actually really cheap. Yeah, I mean, list price on the one we sell, I think, is uh, like $120. For, and, and that's a high-quality Italian, I mean, it's, it's going to last a long time, rebuildable-type mixing valve. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and that's my impression about how most people really like to, to fly with this kind yeah. of thing. Not everybody does. I mean, like, you know, I've got my tank set to 140. I can get the full the full feel of 140. Like, ow, damn it, you know, uh, coming out of my, my sink. Yeah. But, yeah, if, if you're concerned about that kind of thing, then the, the mixing valve thing isn't that expensive. No, and I think for kids it really is, is a good idea, especially with, with people who aren't capable of turning it down or, or could be endangered on their own, you know. Well, and I, but I still come back to thinking that you know the stove is the exact same. I mean, it's, it's even a more extreme problem. Yeah. You know, it's like you, 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 those kids were taught that that thing is hot; it will burn you like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And by the way, the uh, the water faucet can do the same thing. So let's let's have a little lesson about that one too. I mean, I, I think I think kids can be taught. You know, everybody can learn. It's it's not like an impossible or ridiculous thing. No. Nope. Um, but I do think that the Legionella issue is indeed a big thing, um, and and uh, um, people should be concerned about. It. I do think that a lot of the the systems that people come up with that are solar hot water um, are are still even the designs today. And and I I, I was at a, I think I mentioned this in one podcast in the past. I went to a presentation, and, uh, and it was about um, these really interesting solar tubes, and I uh, they had like a couple of minutes before the presentation started, and I asked the guy, well, you know, uh, what do you do about like how does how does Legionella impact this? Is Legionella a problem with this? And his response is, and he's been you know he started off talking about how he's been doing this for like ten years, and these are the best, and all this stuff, and his response was, what's Legionella? I've never heard of it. It's because no one's ever asked him the question. And there's ways to deal with it if if, if that's a priority. And like I say, I've, I've never been asked. So I, I, you know, I just think that it's something where, well, and, and when you design a solar hot water system or any kind of hot water system for your house, um, do you think it's worth messing with? Are you going to do something for your house to, like, take into consideration Legionella and either minimize or eliminate the possibility of anybody dying from it? I can't say that I'm, like, completely freaked out and paranoid. Like, when I climb in the shower, I'm like... <gasps> Hold my breath, I might die. Like, I'm not, I think there's a lot of other things in life that uh, will get you also. So, but it is one of them that's easy to, to, to take care of, to just make it a non-issue. What's the temperature of the hot water heater at your house? You know, it, it's got to be 130 plus. That's the thing. I mean, how do most people really know? There's a dial on the side, maybe of your electric hot water heater. You don't know. I go into everyone's house because before I leave, I actually set the temperature. With, we usually work backing up the solar hot water with a condensing boiler, and I can set that to any temperature that I want. 
So typically I'll leave it at 135, 140. What, and what that does is it sets, typically it's 130 because that makes the set point temperature. It won't let it drop below that, but it will norm, it will take it 10 degrees above that. So it'll take it up to a maximum of 140, right. if that makes sense. And I'll, I'll ask customers, you know, well, what, t- what temperature do you like your hot water? Huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, don't. people people ah. don't know. Nobody yeah, knows, nah. and there is no way to know unless you have a temperature dial coming out. Yours may say 140 on it. Mine says 140 on it. Yeah. Uh, on I mean, like my electric dial, it's got a little thing that I can move, and it's got numbers on it for the temperature for for the electrical end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but you don't actually know that that's coming out. And I, I imagine have you tested it? this is this is something that's come up a lot of times yeah. in the forums where a, um, a guy's got a big video about like, oh yeah, it's set to this temperature here, but in certain corners inside the water tank, it's actually at different temperatures, and there are points of, inside the water tank where it's like Legionella could breed. Yeah. yeah. And I think the main point is is before the water really gets out, it needs to be sitting in a spot where it's sat at 140. For an extended period of time, then then you're killing that off. Because there's points in your piping and the plumbing and different capped portions, especially in some of these remodeled homes, where they have Luke water sitting all the time. And no matter what you do with your hot water heater, it it can still be sitting in pipes. And there's actually probably more likelihood of of food for the Legionella in certain portions of this piping, too. So. Well, and that's another point, too, is that without food, they're not going to reproduce. Yeah. I mean, they're going to they're gonna hit a cap and be done. And then I think that the primary ingredient that they need in order to get food is sunlight, which a solar system provides. So then the Legionella can just reproduce and reproduce and reproduce, whereas inside of, like, if somebody's got their water heater set at 115, the Legionella can only reproduce so much, and then they run out of food. Is there, I'm curious, how, how do you think that there's sunlight seeing the solar hot water system? So, um, photosynthesis. Well, it actually, so it's not actually the water going up to the solar collectors in most of the systems, at least in this region. So some people will, will, I mean, the hot water that ends up getting on them was actually exposed to sunlight. And so um, they're, they're going to go with a system that's going to uh, um, heat them somehow with, with yeah. sunlight having gotten to it. And, and as opposed to the systems where it's like the everything that was under the sun is separate from uh, the, the rest of the system. Yeah. And so then, you know, the, 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 it's, it's different. It's a different yeah. system. Yes. But then there's still, I mean, there's still opportunities for, and the thing, you talk about a capped pipe, so if you've got a pipe somewhere in your house and it's capped off and it's not doing anything, then yeah, I do think that that's, that's an even bigger problem because yeah, you've got this awesome breeding ground, not for just for Legionella, but all kinds of yeah. fun things that you find in ponds. I, I would be more concerned about that. Yeah, and in this region, all the solar systems we do, so thermal systems are actually closed looped in glycol because you can't run water just onto the roof when it's freezing outside. So it's actually a food grade antifreeze that, that actually goes up. So it, tech, it doesn't ever actually see sunlight. It's well, just heated by a different system. Right. And at the same time, there's going to be a lot of people that's like, oh, okay, <clears throat> here's my outdoor solar shower that I whipped up and yeah, made. Yeah, whipped out with some glass and some silicone and a sheet of black plastic. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and I, they only use it in the summertime. Yeah. And that's their cool eco thing. And then they wonder why everybody keeps getting sick in the summer. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is test your water, you know. I mean, you can set it in an optimal breeding temperature. It would be kind of interesting, actually, to do a test that way, to well, go around and, and see what's actually in there. I, I think just being aware of it 
and and think and just using your head a little bit, like thinking about is there any place where the water can sit at an optimal breeding temperature and then, you know, breed up a bunch of Legionella so that people might get sick and die. So where do on demand hot water heaters play into this? They don't. They have no concerns about Legionella at all. There's, they don't have a place for the for the Legionella to breed. Mm. It's flash heating the water, so the water's going from well temperature, city temperature of maybe fifty-ish degrees, depending on where you are, to one ten, just basically in, in seconds. So it's never actually sitting at a breeding temperature. So perfectly safe. And then, and then as we start moving into stuff like um, the the Jean Payne method, <clears throat> where you have some kind of compost. So Jean Payne has his compost-ish pile, his pile of organic matter that's um, silo-shaped. It's it's ten feet in diameter and ten feet tall. And he, meters, I believe. Okay, I thought it was meters. Uh, I well, they. I, I think I remember that they did like cubic meters. Maybe it was. So okay. Yeah, I mean, but but I, very large. I, I remember looking at it, and they did say it's so many meters across. And I did the math in my head and came up with ten feet. You know, and and so, but three meters is about ten feet. Ten ten square meters would be yeah. So and, all right. Yep. yep sorry. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, and, and looking at the pile, it looks like about 10 feet across in diameter and about 10 feet high. And, and so what kind of stuff does he have in here, right? He's got leaves. He's got kitchen scraps. What else does he have in there? Dominantly wood chips okay. and some cow manure. But, I mean, like, this, I mean, that movie is from, like, 1969 or something, you know, and uh, he should get to, he should have gotten together with uh, the guy from Alone in the Prenicky, Dick Prenicky from Alone in the Wilderness. Mm-hmm. That that would have been a, a fun little video. <laughs> but that's at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, the, the and then he got hot water out of that for a year and a half, and uh, it also heated his home, and then he had a cap on it which um, provided his cooking fuel, so it, like he, he gathered the biogas off of it. And then he, he also used a little bit of that to, to run his car, run his truck. And and uh, but he didn't get very far with the truck. I mean, it's, it's kind of the weird thing is that like biogas has like it takes like 400 gallons of biogas to equal the amount of fuel that's in a gallon of gasoline. Yeah. Gasoline's amazingly energy dense. Mm-hmm. So, um, but. The key is, and then of course we've got like the the video out there that's got um, uh, Brian Kirkliet with with his compost pile, and they just had some interns went out and they spent like an hour and a half gathering stuff up, some manure, some some weeds and whatever else, and pile it up, and then they put a 100 foot long uh, half inch poly pipe, so smaller, a one inch poly pipe is the standard, but this is like tiny poly pipe, and they just coiled it in there. And then they uh, they just put a, a regular water hose pressure on it. So there's the pressure, but the poly pipe will will take up whatever expansion that there might be. Um, and if uh, the worst thing is going to happen is the, the poly pipe will go piff, and then it leaks. <laughs> but um, uh, and then that's what they ran it off of. So basically, I did the math, and I found out that all of the water that's 
sitting in the poly pipe. So they, they left the poly pipe there, and it was at the perfect temperature, like it's at 115 inside that compost pile, which is most of the time it's much hotter than that. But it's like it's just that period of time where it's cooling off, and it's at 115. Then um, And they leave it for a week, so it just loads up on, on Legionella in it. That it will, when they turn on the hot water, all of the stuff that was sitting in the pipe will run out of the pipe and be gone in about 20 seconds. So it's like if you go and you take a five-minute, seven-minute-long shower, that only that first little blip even had any Legionella in it to begin with, and the rest of the shower had really, you know, such a tiny, teeny, tiny trace amount it's not worth even talking about. So, but the, the the smallest amount that's really possible. So, um, anyway, I, so we probably talked way too much now about Legionella, but I think we covered enough to be able to express that <clears throat> it's worth being concerned about. I like the John Payne methods better because they're just easier, you know, because as, as you're going out and you're installing solar systems and stuff, now the, the, the downside of the Jean Payne method is, is that you're going to have to do it like either every year or twice a year or something like that to keep it going. I kind of wonder if you had this big, you know, that, that big 10-foot diameter, 10-foot tall pile, I kind of wonder what, if, what would happen if you routed uh, the, the urine from like a urine-diverting toilet to the pile. I would think it would keep it hot. Maybe, maybe you get three years out of it or four years, you know. Um, but which, but it still seems safer and better and more consistent than solar or a rocket mass heater. But as Caleb mentioned before, you also have to have a place that has the space for that too, you know. So what about the folks who have a small yard that are trying to do more, trying to be more sufficient? Oh, right. I mean, you know, you can, for any one of the things that we're talking about, you can come up with conditions where it's going to suck. And and I think that the important thing is to think about, well, you know, if we if we make all of the options available, then each person has to just say, okay, here's my wacky situation and here's the different options. And so which one's going to be the one that I'm going to run with? Yeah, right. there's a lot of different types of fuels and there's a varying degree of automation. Obviously, a rocket mass heater doesn't just turn itself on. You know, you have to go do that. Where the, the compost pile is pretty neat. I think it was uh, maybe Darren Doherty has some pictures on on his in one of his photo albums of a whole concrete bunker system that they were doing for a Jean Payne style heating system too. Where it was all basically this concrete structure that you could build your whole pile in there, everything. And when it was all done, basically you probably drive your bobcat back down in there and scoop out all your compost and go, you know put it in your field or whatever. So it was at this production level size where it was actually easy to manage. I think it would be kind of an interesting business model, you know, to have that kind of figured out where it's like, hey, you want to do a water-based heating system? Well, what if we heat it with compost? And what if you start taking all this garbage and all your leaves and all this stuff and, you know, I'll come build the pile for you. You have free fuel, and then you could take the compost and sell it afterwards or whatever, you know. I mean, it basically is a free energy source essentially mm -hmm. just take some some manpower to get it built up but it, it's an interesting concept i'd never really thought about before it's definitely I, possible yeah i i, I kind of think that when it comes to like oh i'm going to have a permaculture design course at my property i'm going to have 30 people coming over 
and they they stink. So I want them to be able to wash themselves. I think I think that the compost pile thing is like the easiest by far to set up, mm-hmm. and it just keeps going and going and going for months. And so it's, mm. to me, it just seems like way way. Because the other thing is with solar stuff, if you try and rig up a quickie little solar thing, I mean, first of all, it runs out of water fast. And if you you know if you're trying to talk about the quickie systems, it runs out of water yep. fast. And then on top of that, okay, all you dirty stinky hippies are going to take your showers in the afternoons and evenings. Nobody gets to take a morning shower because in the morning it's cold. Yeah. And so um, and and trying to solve the problem of carrying the heat over from the hot day to the following morning, it can be done. And and uh, but it has its little challenges too. Um, whereas the the the, the uh, compost pile thing, oh, so easy. Now, and then my thing is, is that when it comes to compost piles, <clears throat> if you have a, a full farm ecosystem where systems feed systems feed systems, where do you get the compost from? You know, and it's like you're going to go take that tree which you could have used for lumber or for building things or a hugel culture or for wood heat. You're going to go take that and compost it. And it's like, surely there's going to be better ways than that. So I so, I think you know, the bottom line is you started off talking about rocket mass heaters for heating water. And, and yes, there are pressurized ways of being able to do this. Um, those ways do exist. Ernie says that he can do it, but it's like at the same time, he will never tell anybody how to do it because – most people, I mean, like the questions that we get out of permies, mm-hmm. these people haven't even read the book. And it's like we had one guy asking the question, like, you know, it's like, oh, I want to make my uh, my my um, heat riser horizontal. Why doesn't it work? And it's like these guys, a lot of these guys, they just don't get it. So is Ernie going to give them the instructions for Boom Squish? No. You know, no way, because they're going to totally fuck it up, and they're going to die, and they're going to point their fingers at Ernie said. And so Ernie's very much like, I am not going to tell anybody how to do this. And I and I think Ernie's on, so here we are making a podcast. I could turn this off, and we could talk about how to do it, but I'm thinking, you know what? <laughs> Maybe we should skip well, that. There, there's other people who have done it too. I think. Oh uh, yeah, Milkwood Permaculture. You ever, do you ever see their blog? I think it's Milkwood something. They're in Australia, but they have one that's a rocket mass heater that they built into their water heater. That I haven't looked into it real deep. Just flipped through it. But they've got how they've got that done big it. white one that that looks like it's, it's got this really tall shape, and the water thing is in a drum inside. I think it might be, and I kind of got the impression that rather that it was like a propane water heater that they just ran the smokestack right through where the propane would have normally gone or something. Uh, anyways. Yeah. There's people out there who have done it, and there's oh yeah, there's intelligent ways to do it, and I guess that's how I'm coming from it. Is I'm a water-based heating guy. I mean that's what I do, and if you screw anything up, you can die. I mean don't don't put a potato in your tailpipe and park in the garage. You know, <laughs> I mean there's a lot of dumb things you can do. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I it does seem like this is a space where um, 
people just really want to die. Uh, and so it's like, and it, you know, a lot of this is experimenting and tinkering. And, and you know, you say, go build a hugo culture bed. No one's going to die from building a hugo culture bed. <laughs> you know, it's like they'd have to try really hard. And, and then if they did die, they're not going to point their finger at me um, because it's kind of like they probably, I, I, what could you do? How would you do this? So, uh, uh, but, but with this, there's, there's definitely, it's like you have to work hard to keep from dying. And, and so it's like you have to have a little bit of thought. And, and that little bit of thought is just enough to make it so that, I, I remember growing up as a kid that when, when I was living in uh, uh, northeastern Oregon, we had all, we would have these, we called them Portland elk hunters, basically Portland, Oregon. The people from Portland, Oregon would come out to the Wallow Mountains in order to go elk hunting every year. And then we had a weekly newspaper, and it had the stories of the guys that died and what they died of. It was like the Darwin Awards. And so some guy, I remember, I remember one year some guy, he made himself his own personal tent. And then, of course, in those days, when you wanted to have a light in your tent, you had like a lantern. And it was a propane lantern that would actually burn a little kind of a flame in this special kind of little netty-looking stuff, and it would put out light. So he he died of asphyxiation because his tent didn't have any vent holes in it, and he burned one of these lanterns in it. So we would read this stuff all the time. And so it's just... We, it, it's amazing how people don't think these things through, and and I you know what, I I can think there's lots of things that I've done where it's like oh I'll just cobble this together and it'll probably be fine, you know, and and usually it works, but there's sometimes it's like oh yeah I forgot about that step, <laughs> you know? and and it's like this is one of those places where oh yeah I forgot about that step could lead yeah. to boom squish. Um, um, too little information is dangerous, or just. just just enough. Um, yeah, yeah. But I and and this is something too where you're going to have a variety of different things that can go wonky. But I think the bottom line is if you have a non-pressurized system, you will probably be fine. I mean, I think I think that one's pretty safe. A non-pressurized system, you know, where you just have open um, tank of water kind of stuff, and then and then like that. A hot tub? Like a like a hot tub, yeah, yeah. That's how we got started about it. It was a wood fired hot tub, and rather than having the uh, the stove actually sitting in the tub, moving around. But anyway, there there's ways to do it, and I think it's an innovation personally that's critical, but it needs to be dealt with with respect. So I'm gonna do it. <laughs> If okay. I go boom, boom, squish, Paul can come video that. I guess. <laughs> if, if not, he can maybe not tell you about it. So, sorry, you'll have to come see me to figure it out, I guess. <laughs> Super secret stuff. It's like rocket mass skunk works over here in Montana. Somebody was asking me not long ago about um, uh, an electrical generator that was wood-powered. Yeah. And, and um, my response was is that I've heard of people doing it. And every single case, uh, what I heard was that they're very, very loud. And, um, and of course, this is kind of like the basis of how the steam engine worked, you know, to get those trains moving around and stuff, and the boats, all steam-powered. Steam and and um, very much boom and squish. And I remember there was like a, a while back, some guy wrote a big, long article about how safe they were. And yeah, they were loud, but he had it set up outside. And apparently, like just a few weeks after the article was published, it exploded. 
exploded. Cool. So it's like, and he, and he, of course, was an expert, and he knew what he was doing and everything, and, and yet, boom, squish. Actually, it was just boom, no squish. No one got hurt, it, but it did explode in a really big boom, and and it is no more. <laughs> what, was the, what kind of wood generators were these? I mean, are they running like a regular propane or some sort of gas-type generator with wood gas, or they were actually more steam and pressure powered my impression was that they're all steam okay they're doing it with steam so there's also other ways to to do things with where you're actually rather than burning like a a solid fuel or a a gas fuel you know gasoline or propane or natural gas you can actually burn the smoke that's coming off of wood which is basically what a rocket mass heater pyrolyze you can you can get the uh the wood gas to come out of the wood and then and then you burn it like a propane style generator so that's the other thing that i'm actually looking into i've got an old onan generator that i'm tearing apart to uh start that process to actually produce some electricity and then the final goal is to be able to have these short fires that are pretty intense but burn really clean at certain points where now you're heating water storing that large quantities of that i mean i'm talking three to six hundred gallons that will heat for the whole next week i'll have domestic hot water for a week and then also run a generator that i'd actually like to grid tie through through a whole array of different electrical things but basically going back through it through a solar um inverter type inverter and actually net metering onto the grid so the idea is you could actually just burn wood on the weekend for you know four hours and produce enough energy for yourself for heating electrical all these different types of things all in one one type of system I think that's possible. <clears throat> it would be, it, it would definitely be video worthy. <laughs> it would be, it would be interesting. Um, I, I think that um, uh, it might not work out as well as you're hoping, but I think it's possible. Um, and and so I mean, yeah, you're, you might be you might be honest. Heating that big quantity of water. The problem is, is that of course it also cools. Um, another thing is, is that I kind of think that rather than talk about a rocket mass heater, that you should think about doing a rocket stove. And and the design is that you know the exhaust from the um, the rocket stove travels around your uh, gob of water just like as if you were trying to boil an enormous pot of water. I know that um, I've been talking to Ernie and Erica about um, putting together a Kickstarter to have them um, you know build a J tube style rocket stove and they're like talking about like you know I put together a Kickstarter and for an entire weekend they just build all kinds of variations and we video them all and and then I like, guess part of the Kickstarter is to is to sell off the artifacts from from it um, but I think you know it's not that because basically the bottom line is is that there's this political thing in the world of the rocket stoves and rocket mass heaters where um like Ianto invented it all, and then um, uh, he was like, I think, one of the founders of, A- of Aprovecho, and then he, you know, the, then he and the Aprovecho people didn't get along, and he was trying to do a community, and they're like, oh, we're all community, we all own this, and so finally, in the end, he's like, I'm out of here because you guys make me nuts, um, and and it's kind of like that's that's a fairly standard thing, founder syndrome for communities, and and so then Ianto went and founded uh, Cobb Cottage Company, which is just 
Yontoville, really. And um, as part of the arrangement is that the people that were left behind were all like the L-tube for rocket stoves is the only way to fly. And Ianto's thinking the J-tube is the only way to fly. And so as part of their parting deal, then even though Ianto invented all this stuff, part of their parting deal was is that they're not allowed to use the J-tube ideas. Mm. And and so because they were insistent that J-tube sucks, and so they made this arrangement where when Ianto left, they're not allowed to ever do anything with the J-tube. And um, and the funny thing is is that they had a document come out not long ago that said something like, and here's a J-tube, and it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> now now this yeah. shit's going to hit the fan. So, um, but anyway, so uh, <clears throat> rocket stoves, I mean, because Yonto really puts most of his work anymore into the rocket mass heaters, and, and they're all, all J-tube designed. Yeah, and what, what I'm talking about is actually it ended up being completely different than a rocket mass heater. It's some of the same type of things, but it's, it's actually more of a wood gasification process where you're not just, it, it's not a complete burn the same way, but both really cool technologies. I think there's a lot of different really cool things out there. I'd really like to see uh, some kind of a wood gasification process running a, a propane generator. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. I, I'm working on it. They, actually, the, the guy that I work with, too, he's built quite a few of them, so we've been brainstorming and going after it. The trick is always to make it reliable. That's always the trick. The innovation process, obviously, there's always multiple steps. Making it affordable for us that don't have, uh, you know, tons of money to just throw away in a cool project. <laughs> so it'll be a lot of... Uh, Kickstarter. I was just going to say Yeah, I, it's interesting. I hadn't even thought about Kickstarter, so... Maybe, maybe we'll go that way. Yeah. I, I think that um, I've talked to Ernie about this a couple of times, and, and it seems like I keep talking about it and he keeps not doing it. And, and I think that what would be great would be to have a rocket mass heater core that's made out of some kind of um, lightweight cement. I mean, there would be a lot of perlite in it and some other aggregate. And then the idea is, is that you could have this, this core that could come in a box via UPS, and it would be like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, but that you could make these cores, and then people could buy the core. Because once you have the core, like the whole portable rocket mass heater would go from taking an hour and 10 minutes to put together, like what we did at Karis Park, down to like, 15 minutes, you know, because most of that is monkeying with, you know, yeah. trying to sort of build the core on the fly. But if you have this core that's lightweight and and one great big chunk, then you just stick the barrel and the, the heat riser on top of it and then pour in sand and gravel all around it and you're done. Yeah, it takes the, like, technical fine-tuning out of it and really makes it a do-it-yourself project for anybody, really, which is pretty cool. And I think you get a better rocket out of it, too. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just a better shape. It's obviously fine-tuned and everything ready to go. It would be really neat. Right, as opposed to what, you know, when we're just cobbling it together, and it's like, we just need to be able to get it to actually go through without bottlenecks. But, yeah, you, so you get so much better. So, <clears throat> all right. Did we beat this one good enough? Do we have something else? Do we have other topics to talk about? I mean, you're asking me a question, but it sounds like you've already got it all figured out and you got it all together. Or did it just kind of come into your head as we're talking? 
No, I've been thinking about it. That's why I asked the question. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of different technical details. Obviously, the process. Oh, this sounds really easy. But there, you know, it, it comes into a lot more technical things where you get into the tanks with stratification and all the little fine tuning things. So that's that's why I asked. I was just trying to steal all your information. So you, you know, yeah, like you're saying, you make some prototypes, and it's like, okay, we're going to get half a burn out of this prototype before the prototype's shot. And and yeah, but that's that's where the big education is. And it's like, okay, now we've made the prototype. Now we got to get it to last like more than three burns. <laughs> and and uh, then yeah, then you're talking about how do we make it more industrial strength so it really really last. But you got to you've got to be now now you're in the edge of starting the big leap of innovation to do lots of lots of versions of this. Yeah, I I hope so. Start with the simple ones first. And build from there. We thought maybe we would sell you a hot tub, but it turns out maybe we won't. <laughs> I'm just not a hot tub kind of guy. I'm I'm a if you if you look carefully at my physique, I'm a pie kind of guy. <laughs> well, don't most hot tub scenarios go down after dark anyway? Um, uh, that's true. How does that relate to pie? <laughs> that's, that's all that really matters. <laughs> all right. Uh, or th- was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I think that was a, a good rambling for for a long period of that, time. That wraps up a podcast. All right. <clears throat> so if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about Boom Squish. Yes, I was waiting for it. <laughs> Homesteading and permaculture all the time. time.